This is the Eastside Liquor Halftime Podcast. Oh, intermission. No, it's halftime. Stop by 9390 Rogers Avenue for the best liquor, beer, and wine deals in the River Valley. Arkansas wins the national championship! Check out Eastside Liquor on Facebook for weekly specials. Say goodbye! Darren McFadden, 80 yards, touchdown! Boy, a lot of reaction to, a lot of reacting to get to. You've basically been doing it for the last, what, 20 hours or so? Uh, but, uh, wow, great to be with you today. It's a beautiful day to be in the state of Arkansas before things uh, literally freeze and get nice and white and pretty. Phil Elson here along with Matt Jones, Christian Johnson, the C unit producing. We'll have Bob Holt in about 15 minutes, Brett Dolan, 115. Uh, Matt, we have some overarching uh, topics uh, that I think yesterday we might have touched a little bit on the idea of Bill Belichick uh, being finished with the Patriots. Uh, we were on the air yesterday when Pete Carroll uh, was relieved of duties or stepped down from duties as the Seahawks head coach and took on, on an advisory role. But uh, we were not on the air when the announcement came about, well, the news, the report about Nick Saban. And then uh, late last night, the news about Belichick uh, parting with the uh, the Patriots. Uh, it's that's some weighty stuff today. Yeah, it's it's wild on the frontier. Uh, yeah, if you if it's going to freeze the next couple of days, what do you do? Leave a little drop in the in, in the sink. Let something don't have your your pipes uh, go bust. Got to make sure you cover up the, uh, the the spigots on the outside of the house. I, I you know just three great leaders of young men uh, in in Pete Carroll, uh, Bill Belichick, and and, and Nick Saban. Um, you know, we're going to get into their legacies as the show go shows goes on. You know, there is some asterisks beside each one. You know, uh, Pete Carroll with with some PED stuff with the, the the Seattle stuff the sanctions at USC um, but but one, winning a college championship and a pro championship and then the numbers for Belichick and, and Saban are just uh, unreal uh, what they did at the at the pro level and at the college level yeah but the Saban thing feels like it comes out of left field but then the more you think about it I, I, you start feeling it's like well the, the changes in college sports kind of chased away some of the best in college basketball already. I and mean, it still feels weird that Jay Wright is not coaching some college basketball team somewhere at his age, right? Well, yeah, is he not coaching Villanova? No. Yeah, what he, happened? He left. I mean, it was the, yeah. it's, it's all the changes. Coach K leaving. Uh, I mean, college basketball lost some of the greatest head coach, Roy Williams, really because of the changes in the sport. And yeah, it mixed along with their ages and advancement in their careers and everything, but... With Saban, I mean, it is. It is the changes in the sport. I don't think it's a matter that he feels, well, I've done everything that I can do. He has. That is true. Made all the money I can make. Well, you could still make a little bit more. I don't think he's going to stop doing some of those Aflac commercials. So, I mean, he's still going to make some money. But the, the industry, just think of the changes undergoing in college football, even in the last two years. And the landscape is so different now moving forward. I think all of those things together... Seems like it's an easy decision for him. Well, you have when you have players coming out talking about this team paid me the most. Uh, you know, have Saban coming out saying it's all about who can get the biggest bag. You know, everybody's all about themselves. They are independent contractors. They're all ten ninety nine. It's it's definitely a weird change in landscape. I mean, these kids are having a chance to you know set themselves up financially for, for in which is all all fair and all good. There has to be some type of regulation if it's a salary cap. Uh, if, it, if it's kind of like what the NBA does, max players, you know, you can have so many max players. 
Um, and then they'll, I guess, you know, it, how, how they do, they'll find a way to get you more money or pay your house off if they, if they really want you. But they got to have some type of playing field where we know the rules. That's the other thing is we don't really know uh, what's going on. And so if they can, they can cap it some way, somehow, and you know, hey, this is what you get. Uh, because I think there is. I think there's a lot of jealousy. I think it's hard to keep a locker room together when everybody's worried about, well, this guy's getting this much money. He's not even playing. He's getting this. And, you know, he just has more Instagram followers. You know, it's just, it's it's a weird, it's a weird dynamic now. You know, and I, I, I think of, look, I mean, the NFL, yes, Bill Belichick has been the most successful head coach that we've ever seen. But he's always going to be tied to that quarterback. Always tied to Tom Brady. 29 Always. and 37 since Brady left. So like, we're not even going to go before Brady got there. Just since Brady left, he's 29 and 37. That's eight games below 500. Nick Saban is not tied to anybody else other than his own legacy. Uh, I think you have to stand. I'm in awe at all, of, all three of these people's accomplishments. All three of them. But, man, when you look at what Saban did, just to first of all bring a championship to LSU, after how long it had been, I think they went from 1958 to 2003 without a national title, and what they've won a couple since. So he kind of set a standard there and then reestablished a standard in a place where the amount of pressure put on him from the start, even before he took the job, and then to reach the pinnacle in just three years and then dominate a sport where there has, I mean, it's not like it's been parody, but this has not been the easiest league to be as dominant as that program has been. I'm in awe, in awe of Nick Saban's accomplishments in college football. I know. I, I was thinking, can you rank these guys? If you had to rank uh, one, two, three in ability, uh, in, in, in conveying a message, in leadership, uh, and, you know, they're, they're, they're all winners at, at every level they, they went to, uh, likable. You know, what you think, what coach would you want to play for? Um, you know, played against uh, uh, Saban, Belichick, and, and Carroll. And, and one thing you knew uh, when you had to play those three guys, they're defensive guys. It's going to be tough. It's tough to score on all three of those guys. That's that's absolutely the truth. It's like one of those moments where you remember where you were when you heard the news. I guess it de- it's de- depending on what part of the country or you know what what you're more what you're more into. Yeah, it's different up in New England or up north in this conversation today. They're going to focus a lot more, I think, on Belichick and his legacy there and what it means moving forward. Down here, it's mostly about mostly about Saban. Well, I, I, found, I found this interesting. Saban is the second winningest college coach ever. Belichick is the second winning NFL coach ever, but he's 15 games away from Shula. And, and it was, I was listening to Teddy Bruschi talk earlier, and he said that's what... Bilicek is eyeing that if he gets somewhere in two years, he can win 15 games and then be the, the number one winning his coach, which, now, you know, you don't do anything for individual awards, but that's, I mean, he would be the number one when it comes to wins. Well, I was in the car, just picked up my son from his archery practice, and we've had, we had, uh, here's how we learned. Derek Ruskin was the one who broke us the news on ESPN Arkansas. And look, my son is a, is a kid who fell asleep at the Arkansas-Mississippi State game this year. He isn't the only one who did that. It's just, you know, he's not all that in to college football. But when that when he heard that, he knew what that meant. At least he had a semblance of what that meant. And it hit me. Like, wow. That was, uh, 
I did not see that one coming. I think Alabama gets a Florida State head coach. I think that that's who they're going to get, Mike Norbell. I think he would leave after all at what's going on in Florida State, the ACC. I think that's who they get. I heard the Oregon head coach is who they were going to go after, so wouldn't be surprised uh, if it was Oregon or or the Florida State. Those, those would be the two first two calls I would be making. I wonder where they'd be looking, honestly. Yeah. I mean, there's a $20 million buyout for Dan Lanning at Oregon. And I know, I know a lot of times we think, well, it's Alabama. They've got that in somebody's couch. I don't know if that's true. That's I, a big number. I'm getting the Florida State guy. I, I mean, they're a mess. The ACC's a mess. Y'all just got left out. Uh, he, that defense, you know, you, 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 we just talked about Pete Carroll, Bill Belichick, Nick Saban. I think that's what you – I like that Florida State defense. D- d- forget about the standalone exhibition game against Georgia. I think they had 28 opt-outs or something. I mean, they weren't they weren't playing with all their bullets. But and then the Oregon guys, fun. Uh, you got to be able to recruit. Alabama recruits itself. You got to think he would. Uh, you know, would would your boy would would Dylan Gabriel if if they got the Oregon kid and then so he leaves? Do you get another 30 days? <laughs> you got your quarterback. You know, that's that's who you would be be bringing in. I love how that that leads because that's true. I mean, these kids at Alabama have 30 days to make their choice. That means whoever. Whatever coach, if that happens to be the direction they go, whatever coach leaves their college program to take on Alabama, well, then those kids get 30 days too. I would imagine, though, Matt, like this is so different when Alabama hired Saban because that was after a really bad year with Mike Shula. Mike Shula. They'd gotten rid of him. You know, they I think it was a six-week stretch from the moment that they fired Shula until they hired Saban because I think he did finish that, that Miami Dolphins season before taking the job. This is different. This has to be done pretty quickly. This has to be done very quickly. I, I, I would imagine by the end of the week. Yeah, I think it's like uh, the pretty girl syndrome. Alabama's pretty girl, uh, and, and they, they're breaking up with Saban. It's an amicable breakup, but they already know. They already got somebody in line. They're, they're not breaking up not knowing who they're going to get. I, I really think it's going to happen in the next 48 hours that we'll know who the head ball coach is. I don't think you're doing your job if you're an athletics director and you don't have at least three names uh, ready at the handle uh, to call for any opening on your on your campus for a head coach. So I, I, I think Greg Byrne has some people in mind. I think some other people who you know, kind of also have the levers of power at Alabama Athletics have some people in mind. There's going to be some competition between, well, who gets in front of whomever. You know, there's politics at hand first. That's one of the things that Saban took care of at Alabama. It was all under him. Where's uh, where's your boy that went over to Dubai last year? Um, the coach that was uh, NFL guy, Cliff Kingsbury. Where is he at right now? Hey, I don't think he's in Dubai anymore. I know, but that's a guy that could be, you know, he's 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 available. That'll be one you'd say would be out of right field. Man. Hi, everybody. This is Chris George from Joshua's Fine Jewelry in beautiful downtown Russellville. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Christmas gifts, weddings, heirloom family treasures. And at Joshua's Fine Jewelry, we only have one sale every year, and it's right now. Every single item in our store is value priced for Christmas. We do custom one-of-a-kind jewelry. If that's what you're looking for, come see us. You can get anything fixed for a Christmas gift, selection, quality, service, and Christmas red tag prices now through Christmas at Joshua's Fine Jewelry in beautiful downtown Russellville. 
Hickey and Hole Law Partners are now here for you and all your legal needs in MENA and the Little Rock area. Hickey and Hole Law Partners specializing in divorce, custody cases, civil litigations, and more. Having over seven decades of combined experience to better serve you and the community you live in. Please visit KevinHickeyLaw.com or call us at 479-434-2414 for a consultation or come by an office nearest you. Things are about to get better. Uh, Brandon says the basketball team just looks dysfunctional. He says uh, they're either not all bought in or they just don't understand the system. Now, I don't know if I see a system necessarily. I guess you're trying to run a little bit more for Tremont Mark in the second half, but I still saw a lot of standing around in the first half, kind of stationary. I know Georgia defended well, but there's a, there was a lot of standing around waiting for something to happen, and not much happened, uh, at least not on that first in that first half. Well, the the object of the game still is to put the ball through the hoop. And I, I thought this team did not shoot the ball as well as they're capable of. I think they're better shoot. I mean, there was open shots. I mean, open. These are these are like, um, you know, throwing throwing the ball to an open receiver. I mean, you're 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 open. You have to shoot a better percentage of your wide open give me shots. And there were open shots right there at the rim. Yeah, there was like eight missed layups. I mean, never mind the three for 21 from behind the three-point line. Uh, that's that's certainly a reason why. But there are a lot of points that they left there right at the rim. I, I love how Jalen Graham attacked. Uh, I, I, I get it. It's it's a it's a mental block. It's a mind thing. Uh, one of six at the free throw line. There's just some type of nervous energy he has there. But I hope he stays aggressive, even if he continues to go one of six, because he is talented on the offensive side of the ball. I thought Mitchell played his best half. That first half was his best half of the season uh, that I've seen. And then he played really good in the second half, kind of had some turnovers late. You could tell he got tired, but it was like, I don't uh, who else were we going to put in, I guess. Uh, if you were going to bring Graham back in, thought I thought he his energy to start the game was was unbelievable. And then. The other thing is, you know, Brazil's a freak, man. He's an NBA first rounder. Uh, I know he's a finesse big. I know in the the next level he's going to run the run the corners and shoot the three, and and I get all that. But man, at this level, he needs to be around the rim. He he can impact the game so much. You saw those two putbacks he had where he just jumped over him and just come back and just put just just great putback. And then his length on the defensive side, being able to alter shots. Uh, like like to see him in the paint area a little bit more. There was an idea about all right. Well, when Brazil gets healthy, things will will really start to get better. But I'm not sure if he's necessarily um, a guy you build a team around as a featured player. And I agree. Like he's NBA. He'll 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 play in the pros. I don't know how long, but he'll get there. He'll get his chance. Uh, the, uh, whether the rest of the team does is, is another story. But I just don't know if he is like a. Um, a centerpiece of a Please. team right now. And it feels sometimes, Matt, like it's it's a group of players that have been complementary players elsewhere. And the kind of it's been the same thing here, you know? I mean complementary, not towards each other, because it's obvious on the court the chemistry is just a little bit off, but they they haven't been like um the alpha dog on the team that they played on before. And that goes for Devo too. I mean, there have been other guys who you've gone to for a bucket or a stop. It was good to see Devo defend a little bit better last night, but, I mean, he's not going to be the thing that that stops the spiral. And I feel like yesterday was like a total team effort loss. Played better than Auburn. Don't get – but that's, that only goes so far. you got to put the ball through the hoop, like you said. Um, man, I'm a little worried about things spiraling. 
you know, in a, in a, in a, in a rough direction. And we can keep pointing to what's happened the last three, four years where it's been rough early January, but we all know that something doesn't quite feel the same as the last four years. So I don't know if I can count on that. Yeah, the last last few years they had NBA talent uh, on the team that was more of your primary ball handler. And yeah, for Brazil, he's not a back-to-your-basket guy like a, like a LaMarcus Aldridge type of guy. Uh, and he's not a primary ball handler. So yeah, he, he can disappear at times. And, he, and he's a little finesse, which... He's he's highly skilled, uh, but yeah, that, so you, you got to try to find ways to get him the ball. But to me, he needs to be more insertive in cutting. The, I don't see Brazil cutting enough when the, when the guards have the ball because he is so big. If he can flash and cut, uh, and it's it's almost like running. A, this is what you mean by playing for your teammates and playing playing for your brothers. It's like running a clear route in, in football. You you gotta you gotta take off on a fifty yard sprint, and only four percent of the time are we gonna throw you the ball. But we're we're using you to clear out the safety to get other people the ball. Right. Brazil, you gotta cut knowing that two out of ten times we're only gonna you're gonna. But you gotta continue to cut and move and pass the ball with purpose. Well, it's like every to your point about about football. Every everybody has a responsibility. On the eleven that's on the one on either side of the ball, you have a responsibility to do something. Whether you're decoying or setting something up for later in the game, there's always a reason for why you've been asked to do what you've been asked to do. Basketball, I feel it's the same way. There's, there's a, make your movements with purpose, with reason. And I, there, really, you can't do that when you're just standing around a lot. He does stand around a lot. Well, we do that. We ball watch a little bit. Um, and, and, you know, Mark went to work. Uh, he he kind of, and, and the, the thing about Devo is, I, I really believe, I like, I like Mark's mid-range game. Uh, I like Devo's mid-range game as well. I like when he has those wide open three-pointers when he's seven feet behind the line that he would just take two dribbles up and, and, and shoot it a, li- a little bit closer. The thing with Devo is, he's such a competent and willing passer. Like, he sees the floor okay. You just have to move. When, when he gets the ball and he gets going, uh, if you can cut and move, he'll find ways to get you the ball. Guys that I view as energy guys are Keon Menefield, Caliph Battle, Layden Blocker. Got a total of three points from them. Like you can't 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 have a, a donut hole from from Keon Menefield. If if it if it seems that it, he means as much to this team as he might have for the first three games, you can't have that donut hole. But man, I also know things are different when you get into the league than when you're playing against Wilmington. And he had his moments against Auburn, but wilted a bit. Um, and then was a non-factor yesterday. You know, battle, you got three points from him. Blocker was on the court for three seconds. You know, they, they're they around. Well, what do you think of Davenport? Did you think he, did he, did he show any flashes? Because I, I agree with you, Phil. Minifield and battle combined for 39 minutes, and they went one of 13. We're, we're talking, trying to find this third guard. They, they, did, not, uh, they did not produce. Right, that's the th- so that's what you're hitting on here. You're looking for that third can, guard. Can Davenport be that guy? You know, because he, he would be your three. Then uh, you know, is he athletic enough to 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 defend? I wonder what happened. Because I like his shot. I, I like Davenport. I think he has a. As far as the guys that play, I don't think Pinion plays enough to count this year. Uh, but as far as the guys that play, uh, it, the three point shot, I like Davenport. Davenport's the most. Yeah, and I wonder, in opinion, like, I, I forget about him sometimes now. I, I almost forget that he's there. Blocker is like, what happened here? Was, like, he, he doesn't, he doesn't, he's not on the court very much anymore. Yeah. Uh, maybe, maybe maybe we should have expected that because some of the things that Musk said about him, even when he was on the floor, 
gave hints, um, you know, fouled a little bit too much, a little bit out of control sometimes. I don't know. It's, well, it's it's like battle. It's like I see him make a great play. So this was at the 1344 mark. Uh, he defends a three-pointer and then leaks out, takes one, two steps by, by, past him and then, and then realizes it and gets right back in front of him and gets the long rebound. Last week, he would have continued to leak out and that would have been an offensive board. I was like, man, what a great heady play. He's learning. Basketball IQ's going up. And then he's one of eight and not attacking and playing downhill. He was the guard settling. When your shot's not going, get to the free, th- free throw line, Holmes. Battle. Get to the free throw line. See a couple go in and then all of a sudden and bam, don't I mean one of eight got it got to produce a little bit better than that. So remember they stayed on the road. I mean they, I don't I don't know if they stayed in Athens last night or if they flew to Gainesville or or if the the flight is today. But I mean I remember you're, you're, they were trying at the presser the other day to portray this as well. Can this help bring your team together? Going on the road for two day for two games, not coming home, you know, all the time in the hotel, us against the world, being in front of raucous crowds and all that kind of stuff. Um, it doesn't work that way if you go in two on the road because then the tension really builds. It can start to build a little bit. That's what I mean by the by a spiral. Is I, I hope that we don't see the tension just sort of take over a little bit and then you just get, you're not sure what to do with yourself. You know, you forget a little bit of the instincts that you need, that you need in order to win a game because you haven't done it in so long. Yeah, you know, there it's it's intense. It's it's definitely an intense sport, an intense environment. Uh, there's there's a lot of uh, demands, a lot of expectations. Um, the the cool thing about it is, man, I, I you love playing. I, I I think about freshman year when we started one and three, and then ended up going to the Cotton Bowl. Made, made had had a. Uh, we, we weren't very good on offense, and and ended up ended up going to the Cotton Bowl this year. And as a player. Man, you're in the locker room. It's you guys. It's it's it really is. It, it's it's you guys against the world. And there's not a lot of belief outside of that locker room that that y'all guys are any good. And so they have to believe themselves and not worry about the outside noise. And they they have to go out there and prove it because that's it. That's who's going to do it. It's just up to them. There is a there is a game tonight at Bud Walton Arena, eight o'clock tip off. Arkansas's women's team takes on Mississippi State. Hogs coming in one and one in the league. Mississippi State. A team that was scoring at a really high rate out of conference has been held to 66 points in back-to-back games. One of them by Vanderbilt. Vandy's actually really good right now. And the other time, well, they're coming off a loss from the number one team in the country, South Carolina. But they're deep, and they're coming in with a former Razorback uh, with them. That's where Aaron Barnum um, transferred to. And hasn't put up the numbers she put up last year, uh, but it looks like she's playing Fairly well, and I'll imagine she'll get plenty of minutes today against uh, Naves' club. Uh, Joey and Rogers texted in about the women's team. He said he watched the game on Sunday, great outing, but the lack of depth really did hit him in person. <clears throat> and and that's true. Like they, I, It was so awesome to watch them blow Georgia off the floor by 40 points. I just hope that's not a flash, just a flash in the pan, because it really felt like it came out of nowhere for a team that, won't have uh, Talia Scott today. I think she'll miss. I think she's going to miss a couple of games and won't be back until LSU, which is more than a week. So <clears throat> it's like you got to count on on like almost the same thing that you played against Georgia, except you're playing against a team that can score at a higher rate. So I, I hope I hope I'm sure they'll go out and and play really well. It's just that 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 depth is a problem, and when you lose a player who led the league in minutes. And you're already 
dealing with a depth issue, that doesn't just go away. It never goes away. Who do the Ladybacks have next? Who, who's uh... Well, we got Alabama on Sunday. Okay. So it's Mississippi State today, Alabama Sunday, and then, uh, and then LSU. But that, they, uh, next week is their bye. Because remember, women's basketball plays 16 league games. The men's side plays 18. So you do have, uh, I guess you don't call it a bye. You're just not playing on Thursday. Can we call it that? It doesn't always have to be a bye. Let's go baseball. Let's go, Ladybacks. Uh, uh, I'm all for let's go, Ladybacks right now. Let's go. Let's yeah. go baseball, and let's find a way to end at least the mini spiral right now for the men's basketball team. You know, it just takes one. It, it's it's and, and let's let's don't forget how hard it is to win on on the road in the SEC Tuesday and Wednesday. All the SEC games, all won by home teams. Hey, sports fans, don't let plumbing issues throw you off your game. Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric is here to tackle those pesky drain blockages and ensure your water heater is always in MVP form. With Pascal's world-class service, you can count on a winning play every time. Whether it's a quick drain clear or a water heater touchdown, Pascal's got the expertise to keep your home running smoothly. Stay in the game and leave the plumbing to the pros. Schedule your service online anytime at gopascal.com. Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use our promo code BELIEVE. That's B L E A V. For your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Brett Dolan joins us. Touchdown Radio, Razorback Sports Network, Perfect Game, and halftime on Thursdays, at least most of the time. Good afternoon, Brett. How you doing today? Good, guys. Good to be with you. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, we've got to bring up first. What did you think when uh, when you heard the news about Nick Saban yesterday? And what do you think today, a day after? I was surprised, only because you kind of go through that recruiting cycle. And to me, Saban kind of felt like a lifer, a guy who wanted to win one more. You know, six isn't enough. How do I how do I get to seven? He's got an outstanding quarterback in Milrow coming back next year. Could be the preseason favorite to be the Heisman winner. So I was I was surprised. Um, I don't know what the Dan Lanning stories have been like today uh, with him as a possibility of a replacement, but I got a feeling um, they're having a lot of uh, turmoil down in Alabama trying to figure this all out and deal with it. Any chance, my first thought was Mike Norville at Florida State's the next Alabama Crimson Tide coach. Any chance he, he, he takes it? Brett, Lanning already made, put a video out saying, no, I'm, I'm not going anywhere. And by the way, if you think your coach is leaving, come play for me. Okay, there you go. Um, that's a good question. You know, you would ask me before the year if, if Saban was going to retire at the end of the year, who would be the favorite? I would have said possibly Lane. I felt like last year he was interested maybe in, in Texas A&M if it would have come open or, or maybe kind of eyeing that Alabama job. But he's certainly set up with a lot of players in the transfer portal that will give him a good team next year. It would be odd to leave now. Um, you know, we all probably thought Dabo several years ago would be the natural going back home to Tuscaloosa, where he's from, and and trying to win championships for them rather than against them. So I don't know. I don't. It's really curious because it doesn't feel like there's a lot of people that you should consider for that job. It's not a beginner's job. You, you would think this is going to have to be 
someone who's had success and can handle that. And uh, it would feel like it'd be a very small list of candidates. Does this mean that the SEC is more wide open than it's been before? Or, or is it already wide open because you get a really good Texas program coming in? You know, Brian Kelly, I think there's still a lot more that can be accomplished with Kelly at LSU. Uh, Georgia is is still Georgia, you know, and, um, you know. Auburn's going to be better. You, you know, you, you, Oklahoma's yeah. going to be good. Well, you're right. I, I do think Auburn's going to be better, and I think Oklahoma, they're on a, a curve to kind of getting back to relevancy. Texas gets yours back, so that'll keep them a, a strong, formidable team. So maybe it does mean that there are more possibilities, and that would kind of fit with a, with a 12-team playoff because we, we spent most of this year, guys, talking about how it felt like there were more good teams than years past. And part of that might be just more good teams within the SEC, even though it was a de facto Big Ten championship game with Washington and Michigan, I, I think next year you could see kind of a, a more wide-open race. And, and Georgia's still really good. I would have loved to have seen Georgia maybe have a crack at Michigan or, or Washington. They just lost at the wrong time, and maybe they'll kind of return to their prominence at the top of this conference if Alabama does take a step backwards. But uh, it would be interesting, though, if, if, if more teams would feel like they'd have a legitimate shot to be in the top two or three than years past. Basketball last night, we all stayed up late to watch. It was kind of wild to watch a game where there wasn't a single tie score. The lead never changed hands. Um, you know, Arkansas was able to get it to, what, a three-point game? A couple a, different times. At some point in that second half, but... Couldn't get it over the edge, man. You need more than, I mean, you need more than 42 points from everybody that wasn't Tremont Mark. You got to hit some open shots, and um, maybe that's what it came down to. Because, I mean, the, as much standing around as there was, there there were still open shots that they missed at the rim, three-point line, and, I mean, it's supposed to be a better shooting team. But right now, Matt, uh, Brett, it's, it's just a team right now that might not be sure how to win against good teams, and that flies in the face of what we know happened against Purdue and against Duke. No, it's exactly right. We have to keep reminding ourselves it's the same core. And I'm probably with you guys. And Matt, you probably had to stay up to the wee hours discussing it last night post game. It felt like there were some stretches where the team played a little more aggressive defense. They contested some shots. They altered and blocked some. Kind of got after it with a little more. We saw Brazil charging to get a couple of offensive rebounds, which felt new. Uh, it felt like at times they were trying to get more baskets in the paint. And there were a couple of stretches of two or three minutes where it looked better. But there were still just so many oddities in the game, and maybe not oddities, maybe we're getting used to them, but, you know, Mitchell had four turnovers. In many field, no points, one assist. Battle and Ellis combined for three points. And again, a month ago, I would have lost that bet over and over that that duo would combine for three. Graham had one rebound and, and one for six from the line, but to me, the startling number, and maybe we should be getting used to this too, was I think three made threes. The teams basically had the same number of made field goals and basically the same number of, of made free throws, but Georgia made more threes. And I kept thinking, guys, coming into the season, and much would say it, we can't be any worse of a three-point shooting team than last year, but I felt like they had dramatically improved in that area, but it hasn't always paid dividends, and last night was another example of that. Yeah, I thought Mitchell, his first half, to your point, Brett, the, Mitchell's first half was his best half here. Then he got tired in the second half and, and had some had some turnovers late. Uh, I thought Graham's enthusiasm and energy in the first half really set the tone. I, th- I thought they, they did play big. Uh, I, don't, I don't know what happened, you know, how Graham didn't get 
uh, a lot of minutes in the second half. And then when I look at the backcourt, I look at the guards, I like Trevon Mark and I like Devo as two guards that are going to be able to give you 30 minutes consistently. Who is that third guard? I don't know that they that they have that answer right now. No, they don't. And I know you guys were talking about Davenport earlier today, and, and I don't think that's the answer either. I, mean, I would hope a guy like Davenport, though, once every five or six games could come in, feel it, hit a couple of threes, and give you ten points when maybe you weren't expecting that. And then can you get somebody else to kind of fill in that role if, if he's not hitting? The disappointing part, and, and I hate to put too much pressure on Minifield, is that you know he just did not play well last night, but that's his first SEC road game. There's a lot more of that to come. And then when he's not playing well, do you, do you leave him in there in hopes that he finds it? Do you pull him out and give Blocker a chance against again? And he's kind of fell off the map with, with Minifield getting more of that playing time. So these are the, the aspects that I'm sure Musk wanted to have out of the way a month ago as far as figuring out his rotation. And if this guy's not playing well, who's going to step up? And it still feels like you're kind of spinning that wheel and hoping that you find somebody to do it. But the longer this takes place and the longer they continue to to kind of search for answers makes me less willing to think that, that they will find that answer like they have and this staff has done in, in previous years. Do you think women's basketball can put on some sort of a repeat performance tonight against Mississippi State? And I don't mean like blowing a team off the court by 40, but just you know winning a game against a good team without Talia Scott, who leads the league in minutes. Yeah, that's the fun part for me. I mean, Talia Scott, and I, we've talked about her a lot. I mean, she has a chance to do incredible things in her career, and yet when they didn't have her the other day, they looked really good offensively because some of the players who've had bigger roles in previous years had to step up. And I think they know now that they're going to have to score. I mean, Daniels and Spencer can't combine for 16 points and the team wins the game. They've got to go out and probably combine for 30 or 35 in the absence of Scott. So I don't know if... if Maybe by taking their best player away temporarily, they found some renewed aggressiveness or just some made shots. You know, I did pose that question to Mike and his, his presser this week. You know, is there a carryover? You know, and he talked kind of about the randomness of one day you play well and shoot well, and the next day you don't. Is there a carryover? And I don't think he believes there is. I mean, every game's its own entity and so on and so forth. But I, I know Razorback fans are hoping that they, this, this better shooting or better scoring can kind of find a wave so that they can at least beat the teams at home they should beat. You might lose games to really good teams. You might go on the road and struggle like everybody does, but you can't afford to lose games at home to teams that you're similar in the standings and, and make the tournament. Yeah, it's going to feel weird watching Aaron Barnum play against them. But then again, I mean, I've seen Leah Wilson play against Arkansas. I've seen Marquisha Davis play against Arkansas. So, I mean, it's just, it, it, it's just a product of the sport the way it is now, Matt. Yeah, Brett, I, I, I want to get your time. Oh. Yeah, go ahead. I, well, you know, Belichick, the GOAT, uh, he, he, he's going to to go somewhere else. You know, you got six titles there. You got Deflate Gate. You got Spy Gate. You got the Aaron Hernandez thing. Uh, you got 29 and 37 since Tom Brady left. How, how is that all when, when you think about the, the 24 years he spent there and just how amazing of a run it is and then just all the other stuff that goes with it. Uh, what are your thoughts on Belichick stepping down, and where do you think he ends up? Well, he's one of those I think can't live without football. I feel like he needs another job, but he's at that age, and he's accomplished enough. If he wants to take it to the house, he could. And I think you're right, Matt. It's a complicated legacy. I don't. I don't think many people will be able to win the championships 
he has going forward. It's just hard to stay anywhere for two decades, to be able to have that grace period where people just don't get tired of you or get tired of hearing your voice. But, uh, you know, maybe I know what's disappointing to Belichick is that since Brady's tenure is over and he's moved on, the success has not only gone away, it's, it's been at an all-time worst level in, in recent years. And so I'm sure if anything would drive him, it feels like, to want to do this again and find another spot, it would be to prove that, that he can win without Brady, just like I felt like Brady went to Tampa Bay because he wanted to prove he could win without Belichick. You're talking about two greats and two stubborn individuals who won championships with each other and because of each other who wanted to do it without each other. Um, but it, I don't know if we'll see many guys coach 20-some years at, at one stop again because it's just, it, it's just a hard league to do that for, for a couple of decades plus. I told Brett that we would get him out by one thirty because he's got a uh, a Zoom with the gym backs. Um, so uh, right on. What do you got on uh, on gymnastics in a minute here, Brett? Well, we're opening up the uh, home meets tomorrow night and season. So I hope the weather doesn't uh, cause us a lot of problems because, much like all the other women's sports, the attendance for gymnastics in recent years has just skyrocketed, and there's so many young girls and some women coming in to, to watch this event, so I'm hoping Mother Nature doesn't screw up our first of a handful of home meets. Do you have a favorite event? Mine is the pommel horse. What do you have? <laughs> do we even call it the pommel horse anymore? Uh, the floor exercise is fun because it's in front of the student section. You've got the the uh, the dancing and the jumping around. I, I, that's not the most athletic. It's the uh, the vault and whatnot that that's really crazy to think about a human being doing. But I, I think the floor is the one that engages the fans the most. So, so what do we call the pommel horse now? I'm obviously out of the loop. Well, no, we've got the bars and the beam and the vault and the floor. We've got four exercises. That's all we get. The vault. Okay. I called it something that it wasn't. I like the vault. And Brett... <laughs> In five seconds, your Zoom starts, so go ahead. Appreciate your time. Thank you. Well, hey, guys. Who's got it better than Phil and Matt? That's right. Nobody. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> thank, nobody. Thank you, That's very well done. I think we need to make a promo on him no. at some hey, point. You know, Tom Brady going to the NFC South, winning a championship. Don't, don't be surprised if Belichick goes to the NFC South but with the Atlanta Falcons. Go south, old man. The Arlington Resort Hotel and Spa in downtown Hot Springs, Arkansas is the perfect destination for your next getaway. Join them for a romantic Valentine's Day getaway with a special dinner or romance package. Or if you're coming to town for live racing, they've got room for you every weekend, including Martin Luther King Day weekend and President's Day weekend. Experience all the luxury and hospitality of a Grand Southern Hotel. The accommodations are sure to please everyone. Visit ArlingtonHotel.com for more details. That's Arlington Hotel. You're listening to the Eastside Liquor Halftime Podcast. Dave and his team have all your holiday drink options. That includes Fireball and Bailey's Chocolate, Jack Daniel's Crown Salted Caramel, Winter Seasonal Beers, Eggnogs, and more. Come by Eastside Liquor, 9390 Rogers Avenue in Fort Smith. Now back to the podcast. Morning, Bob. Really not much going on in the world of sports, huh? How you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you guys? We're good. Appreciate you coming on today, as always. I uh, just want to let you react. You, you've asked a lot of questions to Nick Saban over over the time that he's been the head coach of Alabama and of LSU. Um, what do you think? What did you, what did you think when you heard the news yesterday? 
Well, it, it was a surprise. I mean, I know he's 72, and I know there had been a lot of speculation really leading into the year and throughout the year that this might be his, his last season as coach, but just the way Alabama, you know, bounced back from some early, you know, the early loss of Texas and not looking very good against South Florida and won the SEC title, knocked off Georgia, uh, took Michigan to overtime. Um, you know, it was a pretty promising season and a lot of, obviously they always lose good players to the draft, but, but a lot of good players back and another strong recruiting class. I, I guess I just thought uh, Nick Saban would continue for a little while longer, but it's obviously something uh, he'd been considering for a while. Uh, I thought it was interesting reading that he, during the morning, he took part in SEC coaches call with uh, Greg Sankey, I guess a, a normal thing and, and just was vocal like always. And then he interviewed some uh, assistant coaching candidates for some openings on his staff. I mean, what, what, what guy does that? And then now says he's going to resign. I mean, that was pretty wild. I guess that's how you keep a lid on things, not letting people know. But, um, yeah, I got to say it was a surprise. Maybe not a shock, but it was a surprise. But, yeah, you know, Nick Saban, like a lot of coaches, has always said that, you know, when he feels like he can't do the job up to the level he expects, um, you know, it's probably time to step away. And I'm sure he could still do the job at a very, very high level. Maybe feel like he just couldn't make the commitment he always has. Um, at 72, you know, that's he's a young 72, I think, but still it's a really hard job getting harder with NIL and the transfer portal. And so uh, I guess he decided it was, it was time to go out. And I'd say he went out on top. I know he didn't win the national title, but he won an SEC title, got to the playoffs. So, uh, maybe he's maybe he's walking away a year or two early rather than staying a year or two too late. Yeah, you know, and then out on the West Coast, Pete Carroll, who who has ties with with Arkansas, was, was a G up up there under Lou Holtz. Uh, same age, seventy two, unbelievable coach, won a NFL championship and a college football championship. Uh, any interactions with with him, Bob? What was your thoughts on Pete Carroll stepping away as well? Yeah, that was a surprise. Uh, the only interactions I'd had with him was when Arkansas played, oh, <laughs> yeah. played USC uh, the two times, I guess, was was it 2005 and 2006? No, like 2005-19, that first game, I think, or something. It was pretty ugly, yeah. That was, man, was, that was, was one of the best college football teams ever, huh, that Matt Leinart team? Yeah, that was, that was actually 70-17 to 17 out of the Coliseum. And then Boy. next year, Arkansas, yeah, and then you had Reggie Bush and Matt Liner, two Heisman Trophy winners, a bunch of NFL players. That was before the Rams and the Chargers, well, before the Rams moved back to L.A. and then before the Chargers moved up from, moved up from San Diego. And so the USC was really like L.A.'s NFL team or pro team, you know, and they, they were going winning national championships and just loaded for just loaded down, and that was bad scheduling for Arkansas, bad timing, I should say, because I think when the when the series got announced, USC was kind of going through a six and six, you know, kind of they were six and five or whatever. How many games they played back then? They they gotten pretty mediocre. Then by the time the games came, USC was the dominant team in college football. But, but yeah, I remember we did some teleconferences with Pete Carroll. He was always, uh, you know, very very good to deal with. He had you know Scott Kane, who used to work for us, did a great job covering Arkansas. Scott went out to, to L.A. Uh, before the game there and went, you know, Pete Carroll had wide open practices and media could basically just go and watch and do whatever they wanted to. And uh, he was very media friendly. And of course, like you mentioned, Matt, he, he did, he was a GA for Lou Holtz in 77. And it's interesting what you brought about him winning the national championships in college and 
in the uh, Super Bowl title. Um, two other coaches with Arkansas ties. I think these are the only three guys to, to do pull off that double. Jimmy Johnson, a former Razorback, <clears throat> you know, player and assistant, and Barry Switzer from CrossFit, Arkansas, player and assistant coach. Uh, they both won Super Bowls with the Cowboys, and then Jimmy Johnson won a, a, a national championship in Miami, and Barry Switzer, I think, won three at Oklahoma. So three guys with ties to Arkansas who pulled off that, that unique double in, in college and pro football. Well, Jim Harbaugh is one of the only coaches to lose a Super Bowl and win a national championship in college football. Um, you know, and that's that's another one that's kind of leave, left out there right now. I guess that's the that's the next one that we're all waiting for uh, is to see what happens with uh, with the national champions and, and their head coach. I mean, do you have any? Ever, I don't think he stays there. Um, do you have any sense of what you think Harbaugh might do? And if he does leave, would you tie it to the changes in college football? Because I actually think he dealt with that really well. I, I think it's more like he's almost being chased away by the NCAA. Well, yeah, I think he's. I think this was his ninth season in Michigan, so that's a pretty long run these days. I mean, I don't think anybody thought Nick Saban would stay at Alabama for 17 years. You just don't see uh, coaches being at schools for as long as Frank Burles was a coach at Arkansas and Darrow at Texas and Joe Paterno at Penn State, et cetera, and Bobby Bott at Florida State. But, um, yeah, for what I've read uh, – uh, I can't remember the guy's name, but a, a, an agent who deals, you know, with with representing coaches to pro teams that uh, Harbaugh you know, hired him, and there's a bunch of uh, a bunch of NFL openings. I mean, I think there's is there seven. I kind of lost track. And I guess the speaking of big news, I think I don't think it's been officially announced, but I think Adam Schechter from ESPN, who's very plugged in, obviously has reported that. Bill Belichick and the, the Patriots are parting ways, apparently mutually, amicably. And so that's another opening. But, yeah, I mean, Jim Harbaugh, three straight uh, playoff appearances, won the national title, but not without controversy, you know, suspended for six games. And, you know, there's nowhere to go but down when you win the national title. Even if you win it again, all you can do is, is tie, right? So I would not be at all surprised, especially with, with the you know, plethora of openings, in the NFL, some pretty attractive. I think San Diego's a good job. You know, they lost their quarterback, obviously, but uh, I think Atlanta could be pretty good job. Um, it'll be interesting to see what the Patriots do, but um, th- there's a lot of openings. So my guess is, I think if he wasn't going to go to the NFL, that Tarbo would shut all that down. And maybe he won't get the right kind of offer he wants, and certainly Michigan would welcome him back, but I kind of think he's going to be moving on to the NFL and I wonder if San Diego might be a landing spot. Of course, he coached. That's where he, he began his college coaching career at, uh, I think it was the University of San Diego, which might have been D2. And then he did, did well at Stanford, obviously, and then with 49ers. So I could definitely see him going back to the NFL, maybe in San Diego. And, and um, you know, Michigan, they're kind of like Ohio State. They'll probably promote from within and and uh, just just keep things going on. But, um, yeah, it, it's, it's seismic changes in the football world the last, uh, I guess, 48 hours for sure. Yeah, you got that quarterback out there, Justin Herbert, that everybody's a big fan of. As far as divisions and talent, I'd go to Atlanta. Uh, you, you get to play against the Panthers, the Saints, and the Buccaneers. I think that's the easiest place to to, to win uh, and, and, and have some talent. Um, speaking of talent or lack thereof, uh, what do you think of this uh, mediocre basketball team, two mediocre basketball Basketball teams yesterday in Arkansas and Georgia in in the game, and what are your thoughts going forward? Well, 
Yeah, it was a it was a tough loss for Arkansas. That game was really there for the take, and I think Mike White's a really good coach, and he's done a good job of of raising uh, Georgia's level of play because they've gone from I think they were one one in seventeen the year before he got there, and then last year they might have been six and twelve, and I think they've continued to improve, and they've uh, won ten in a row, which is hard to believe, but got some pretty good wins over teams like Wake Forest, Georgia Tech, um, but Arkansas, you know, they never never led. Uh, got off to a rough start shooting and had too many turnovers. Um, it's funny, the turnover differential wasn't that big. I think Arkansas had 15 to Georgia's 13, but the points off turnovers was 25 to 10 in Georgia's favor. So, And then Arkansas, 3 of 21 on threes. Probably the way they were shooting were, were taking too many. They had a, a good uh, advantage inside. I mean, they were getting a lot of second-chance points. Um I'm not sure why Jalen Graham didn't play a little bit more because he was giving him an offensive boost, but he did only have like one rebound. I know most of them he wants you know wants him to rebound, but that was a game that was there for the take. And Arkansas was down by 13 in the first half, 10 at halftime, fought back, made it. They pulled within three, I think, on three different occasions. Had a chance to tie it. Uh, Khalif Battle missed the three, and you know, they, they they didn't they hurt themselves from the free throw line again too. I think Brazil missed two front ends of one on ones when they were trying to fight back. So, yeah, disappointing loss for Arkansas because that game was there for the take, and you have to give Georgia credit for uh, for hanging on. But, yeah, you know, I think Eric Musselman talked last night about how they played harder, they played better than they did in that blowout loss to Auburn, but still a tough loss. And, uh, you know, you thought they had a – at least I thought they'd found their point guard, Ken Menefield, and then he struggled last night. I think he only played a minute or two in the second half, and Eric Musselman talked about how he's – he struggled in the SEC against the bigger, stronger guards. You know, Keon's only like 160. He needs to add some weight and strength still. So, yeah, this team, you know, going in, going to Florida for Saturday, that's going to be another tough, tough game. And Florida got blown out at Ole Miss, lost a tough one at home to Kentucky. So Florida's going to be very motivated at home. That's going to be a, a really tough game for Arkansas, I imagine. And, you know, they're, they're going to have to figure some things out here pretty quick to try to get a win at Gainesville. Bob, we'll leave it there. I appreciate you hopping on and, and all your thoughts on everything happening that we got to today, and we'll visit again next week. Thanks again. Okay. Thanks, Bob. Bob Holt, Democrat Gazette. We appreciate him joining us each Thursday on Halftime. Brett Dolan will come up in a couple of hours. I I, I like Devo and Mark in our backcourt to, to get more, more of the minutes, and my question is, who is that third guard going to be? You know, it, can it be Minifield? Can it be Ellis? Is it Battle? Who is? is, is it, could it be Blocker? Who is that third guard? But I think our two guards that I like so far going forward would be Devo and Mark. They're going to be playing 30 minutes a game. But you get such an alarming lack of consistency from that third guard spot, and really from just about everybody right now. That's thought, the defining characteristic of this team right now, Matt. If we ask for an identity for them, it's inconsistency. Yeah, I thought the bigs played their best game. Mitchell got tired at the end, but Graham and Mitchell, I thought this was their best game. You're listening to the Eastside Liquor Halftime Podcast. Check out the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast at hitthatline.com. This podcast has been presented by Bet Online. This podcast is an exclusive property of Pearson Broadcasting. It may not be copied, reproduced, modified, published, uploaded, reposted, transmitted, or distributed in any way without Pearson Broadcasting's prior written consent. 
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.